Our gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice to be able to sing of the love of Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, that you would fill our hearts with your Spirit, with an understanding of the love of Jesus Christ, and the love of Jesus Christ that leads us to show love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that you would lead us to an understanding of him through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture reading tonight is taken uh, from Hebrews 13 and verse 1. It's found on page 1294. This is God's holy and infallible word. Let brotherly love continue. It trips so easily off the tongue, doesn't it? Let brotherly love continue. Such a simple statement. So obvious sounding. Let brotherly love continue. Some of you, many of you, even know the middle of this verse in the original language. Philadelphia. Brotherly love. What could be more basic in the Christian life? Yet it's important to see how such a statement would have stood out in its day. In Greek culture, the term and the concept of brotherly love applied to members of one's physical, biological family. And that family alone, that was brotherly love. But in the New Testament, it is different. Jesus says in Matthew 23 and verse 8, you are all brothers. And again, in John 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love, if you have love for one another. Brotherly love was commanded by Christ. Christ himself. John 15, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Indeed, Paul says that the Thessalonians have been taught by God to love one another in this way. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Paul views brotherly love as so basic that it does not need to be spelled out in that verse at all. It has been taught by God. So it is here with the author of Hebrews. He does not build to a crescendo in this verse. He does not marshal an extensive argument 
as he did earlier concerning the relationship between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, a simple statement suffices. Let brotherly love continue. There's another aspect of this verse, however, that must be pointed out. In this translation, it almost seems as if there is permission being given for brotherly love to go on. Let brotherly love continue. But the original is stronger. The language is imperative. It's a command. Brotherly love must continue. That is the meaning. Then there's this word, continue. The use of the word continue in this sentence suggests several truths. First, as we have seen, the love in view was already present. It did not need to start. It only needed to remain or to continue. And we think of Hebrews 10 and verse 32 where the the preacher says this, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. It was abundantly clear that these Christians had shown love like this before. But secondly, the call to continue suggests something more. It suggests that this Christian virtue was now lagging. There was a tendency to neglect love. We see this if we peek at the very next verse which fills out this statement about brotherly love in a very specific way, saying, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And so it is with many of the following verses. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, including those whom we know are in prison in mission fields that the Orthodox Presbyterian Church has served. Love, brotherly love, the continuation of brotherly love, perhaps love that is lagging. That is the call here. But there is a third element that we can notice if we look carefully. It appears when we reflect upon what this verse does not say. It does not tell us why we should love each other. No motive is stated. It is not necessary for one. You see, you have been taught by God to love one another. You already have this love. You don't need anyone to produce it. It is there inside of you. It is there in the body. It is here in the body but you must work on exhibiting it. Hebrews 10 and verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another, stir up one another to love and good works. Notice how that passage talks about you stirring up others to love. 
This expression of love is meant for communities of believers as much as for individuals. But there is something still deeper. That this relationship with your brothers and this call to brotherly love, and yes, the word includes sisters, male and female, brotherly love includes all in the body of Christ. This call to brotherly love accents something, something very important that you must keep in mind, that you must strive to keep at the forefront of your mind whenever you remember this command. Your brotherhood exists in the first place because of one basic reality. We read about it earlier in the letter in Hebrews chapter 2. Listen for it. See if you can catch the reality that is spoken of here. Beginning at verse 10. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Did you catch it? This sensational reality? Jesus Christ is your brother. Jesus Christ. The founder of your salvation is your brother. The one who sanctifies you is your brother. He's not ashamed to be called your brother. In fact, He had to be made like you in every respect, except for sin, in order to become your high priest. He had to be tempted just like you are. He had to suffer because he was tempted like you are. And he persevered in love. You see, it had to be this way. Because in order for you to exhibit this brotherly love, in order for this brotherly love to continue in your life, and in the life of Calvary Church, and in this community, and in believers around the world, you must have an active high priest, an active high priest, who is in fact your brother. And this shows why the break in chapter 12, uh, between 12 and 13, is not as sharp as some would like to make it out to be. 
You know, the chapter divisions in our Bibles are not inspired by God. Some of them are helpful, some of them are less helpful. The theme of the end of chapter 12 is the holiness of God and worship. And so that theme continues here. As one writer put it, the break with chapter 12 is not complete, as Van Hoy observes. The life of brotherly love constitutes an essential part of the worship which Christians must render to God Without brotherly love, there is no authentic worship. No authentic worship without brotherly love. Now, how can you worship authentically? How can you exhibit brotherly love in a world that has been increasingly characterized by brotherly hate since before Cain killed Abel? How can you exhibit brotherly love in a city like Philadelphia, which doesn't know the meaning of its name? It's only if your high priest, your brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, leads you in it. It is only if the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the founder of your salvation, who is the one who sanctifies you, the one who is not ashamed to call you brother, leads you in your expression of brotherly love in fellowship with himself. What am I saying? I'm saying that to let brotherly love continue requires worship in your lives. But it requires more than the worship that we traditionally think of, sitting in a pew and singing a few hymns loudly. No, to let brotherly love continue in the, is in the context of suffering to love week in and week out, rain or shine, sick or well. To love when it is going to hurt requires the kind of worship that not only understands that our God is a consuming fire, to be worshipped with reverence and awe, but also worship that understands that the carrying out of this command requires His constant leading presence. That kind of worship. I cannot love without you, Lord. Thank you for being with me. At this time when my tendency to hate is showing up, and your love is spurring me on. To put it plainly, if you're going to let brotherly love continue, you are going to need the life of your elder brother, Jesus Christ, Every step of the way. And here's the good news. That is just what you have in Jesus Christ. You have in Jesus Christ one who is able to ensure that brotherly love continues. He is able to do so because he ever lives to intercede for you. Did you know that this activity of showing brotherly love is a part of your salvation? The New Testament actually says that you're being saved through being formed into the image of your elder brother, Jesus Christ. And that is why Hebrews 7.25 speaks of Christ's current prayer life in this way. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them.
Let us pray.